Psalm 84 of the Scottish Psalter. We'll find that on page 338. Psalm 84 of the Scottish Psalter. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me, the tabernacles of thy grace, how pleasant, Lord, they be. My thirsty soul longs vehemently, ye faints thy courts to see, my very heart and flesh cry out, O living God, for thee. Behold, the sparrow findeth out, and house wherein to rest, the swallow also for herself hath purchased a nest. Even thine own altars, where she safe, her young ones forth may bring, O thou almighty Lord of hosts, who art my God and King. We'll sing these verses to God's praise. How lovely is thy dwelling place. we join together in prayer. May we bow our hearts in prayer before our Father. Our Father in heaven, you have brought us again to this place by your grace. And we thank you for that. That you have been with us through our days of journey. And that you have kept us and spared us 
through these experiences of our own hearts, experiences that are personal to each of us, unknown maybe only to you, the difficulties that we each go through, the challenges that we face and the hardships that we have to endure, and the anguish of our hearts and the anxiousness that sometimes plagues us. Lord, may we come to you. And the imagery of the little children coming to you seems so fitting that we do not know everything and we are in need of one who does. At times we don't understand how things work out and we are left with our hands up looking to our Father that will so lovingly embrace us and take hold of these hands that may seem to be so lost, that you will comfort us in our afflictions and be there to give us guidance and to be that one who will show us a love. Lord, we pray that each of us within this building would still our hearts for this time that we are gathered and turn our ears to hear your words that speaks to our innermost souls, that we may have ears to hear and a heart of understanding to your word. And we value the preciousness of it. May it seem as gold in our hands, even beyond the value of gold, for what we hold is everything to the believer. That is our hope. It is our life. It is a gift for us. It encourages us along the way. And this is the Father's love revealed to us. He does not leave us as little orphans, but he is there to guide us. And Lord, we pray for those who do not know you as their Father within this town, many who have no concern out with of themselves, that they do not see their need of a Saviour. Lord, we pray that you would arrest their souls and their hearts and their minds, that they would consider what life is, what is the reason to their being? What shall come after death? There is nothing surer that it should come to each of us. And so we pray that you awaken souls from darkness and that your light would shine into their lives, that they may see. Lord, we pray for those who are laid aside, who cannot be here, yet would love to be. And we thank you for the technology that enables us to share our worship services one with another. And we ask that you would be with them likewise as you are with us here. And we pray for those who are laid aside, that you would be their strength and that they would turn to you for that strength and that they would find a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, a hope for them, a personal hope and a living hope 
that will speak to them in their difficulties. And Lord, we remember those who are mourning. We remember the McKinnon family, that you would be with them in their loss. And again, that they would know your comforting hand in their lives. Lord, we pray and remember the young, those who are in Sunday school at the moment. We pray for them as they look at the story of Jairus' daughter, that how he came before Christ with a great need for his sick daughter, that he was the one who said that she is not dead, she is only sleeping, and that we have that hope, the believer has that hope in Christ Jesus, that they fall asleep in Christ Jesus. Death shall no longer have a sting to us, for we are promised a life renewed in the presence of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you remain with us for our time together. Be with every gospel endeavour that is done so in your name and the preaching of your word throughout our Ireland and our nation this day, that it would go with power and the company of your spirit, speaking into the hearts of men that seem so lost and encouraging those who seem to have stumbled on their way and giving strength for those to carry on on the narrow path of life, the narrow path that leads to life. May we all turn aside and follow that path for our lives. Lord, we ask, be with us for our time together. Forgive us our sins, we pray, and all these things we ask in his name the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I know the kids are in Sunday school, but I think we're still going to do a children's talk for those who may be listening at home. I have here, I don't know if you probably won't see them on the camera, there's a nail. There's a, there's a, like a big nail, there's another small nail and a wee copper nail. So they all have their different purposes. That one's usually used for roofing the copper one. The wee small one's usually used in the house just for doing the finishings. And, and that's more of a structural nail for holding big pieces of wood together. And there's a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, if we look at the building here, or you look at the building where you are at home, and the, build, the building here, you can see the beams and the different bits of wood that construct the, the structure of the building. And we're going to be looking at the building in our sermon later. So I want to do a talk, just a wee short kids talk about that. If we were a part of the building, what part would you like to be? Would you like to be the door? Would you like to be the walls, the windows, or the, the beams above us, these beams that everyone can see? I don't suppose many of you would want to be a nail. The nail is often forgotten when you look at the building, but it is very important. 
so many different parts within our building. The beam would be of no use without the nail to hold it. Everyone may see these beams, but if the nail is not there to support it, it will be of little use. The nail gives the building its strength. And without the nail, the building would just fall apart. So, God gives each of us different gifts, as the verse says. And we must use them. Whatever God gives us. We may, we may want to be a beam, but maybe we would just be a nail. Maybe we'll be a win. You know, we, maybe God gives us gifts to be something different. We're not all the same. And maybe when you're in school, you feel like maybe you do all want to be the same. But God has given us different gifts. And it's not, it's not bad to be different. But we must use these gifts for God's glory. And the upbuilding of his church. And that even if we're a nail, we would be glad to be a nail within God's church. Whatever nail it would be, we're not all going to be seen. The nail is hammered into different parts and is largely unseen and painted over. But it is the strength of the building. So I want you to remember that no matter what gifts God has given to you, that you would use them for him. And that maybe you will be the support and the strength to help each other. And that we would be doing things together and not pointing people out because they are different, but encouraging one another because we are different. And that we would be mindful that we are all different. That we would support and give strength to one another. Every part within the building is of value. And each of us is of value to Christ. So whatever we are, whatever gifts God has given us, that we would not be ashamed of them. And that we would use them for his glory. The nail is largely forgotten about. But if the nail were even just a praying person, how many nails are within a building? How much strength is found in all of these nails united together? If it is just a praying person, it is not just a praying person. The praying person gives strength. And that we be praying for one another and remembering one another. So we're not to be ashamed of what we are and what gifts God has given to us, but that we would embrace them and use them for his glory. So whatever you're good at, do it for God and do not be scared to use your gifts. Amen. We'll see the Lord's prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. If we could turn together and read in Scripture in the book of Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2. And we'll read the whole chapter. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, and we'll read from the beginning. Let us hear God's word. And you who were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought nearby by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us. If we can consider, the, we'll take our text as the, the last verse there of verse 22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As we spoke of in the kids' talk, I mentioned we were talking about buildings. And sometimes we can't help but admire buildings. There are many beautiful buildings in our world. And you may have your own favorite building that you would, maybe you've been to visit it or maybe you'd like to go and visit it. Somewhere that fascinates you. But one building that we all love, or I hope that we would all have a love for, is our home. Not that it is anything fascinating or magnificent or admirable in its physical structure, but it is our home because of what's on the inside. What is it that we love about our home? What is it that makes us feel like it is our home? And I want to look at the building that has been built here at the end of the chapter. Uh, We'll look through from verse 18 and hope that we will see what it means for us. What has been built for us here. And we'll see the complete and wondrous working of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And how the historical things within scripture tie together beautifully and reassuringly for the believer in Christ Jesus. Trying to make it as simple as I can. And using the imagery set here of the building, we can take three elements of a building to use as reference points. There is a point of access There is, of course, the physical structure of the building and the building which is not built in vain, but the building that is built with a purpose. So we have the access to the building, the structure, and the purpose of the building. So let us begin with access. Look with me at verse 18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through him, who is Christ Jesus, we both have access. The both there being the context of what is set out from verse 11. The both is the Jew and the Gentile. If we read from verse 11, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. The Jew was God's 
chosen race. It dated back to the, you can see it from the Israelites that were in Egypt, back to the family of Jacob, back to the promise made with Abraham and the sign of circumcision, which we just mentioned there as well. These people were the children of promise, a chosen race, a race that came through the plight of their history, right up to Paul's day when he wrote this letter, and even continuing on to our present day. And the Gentile was simply the person who was not the Jew, who fell out of the hope of the Jewish nation. But now, what we can read of in verse 13, we look at verse 13, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And Paul is saying here to the Gentile, come. There is hope for you as much as there has been for the Jew. There was a separation made by God. But Jesus Christ has now broken down the dividing walls that are referenced in verse 14. There is no longer a promise made in family birthrights, ceremonial laws and sacrifices. It's not national citizenship. But now there is a new birth for all. Born into a new family, a new nation, a new promise by the Spirit. And we have access to the Father through Christ and by his Spirit. And this axis is the same today for the Jew and the Gentile as it is for you and for me. And whosoever shall come. The question is, do you want it? Do you want to have access to this promise of hope? And the wonder is that we would have it at all. That we would be granted such an access. Most of us, I think, would have been considered Gentile. And we are sinful people before a holy God. God who will punish us for our sins. And pour out his wrath upon us if we do not come under the protective shelter of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would God choose you off yourself? Well, no. But he does because of what Christ Jesus has done. And only through him and his works are we granted access at all. And access through Christ is access to God, the most caring Father we could ever want. It is access to heaven, access to joy, access to love, access to a family, and access to eternal life. Do you want that access? Christ who so willingly came 
to break down these walls of division. The Christ who came so that there would be no more separation. The one of glorious heavenly perfection. He did not need to come. But he loved you and I enough to give up on his heavenly privileges and humble himself to the death of a cross for you and for me. And yet, many people still wish to uphold the separation. Many people do not want access to Christ. They're building up their own walls to keep that separation. Christ tore down his side so that we would have access. And it was of great cost to himself to give us that access so that you can have access. And still some of us wish to build up a wall to divide. Surely not. How can you want to be separated from Christ? The man of love. The man who will be so loving to see you come and has given you that access. And yet, in every attempt that we make to separate ourselves from Christ, he will so lovingly put a door into that wall that we make so that we can still have access to him even when we build that wall up because we do not love him he still loves you and when you don't want to be with him he still wants you to come to him and he puts that door of love in every dividing wall that you build even though you might not love him. Verse 18, again, it says, for through him and through nobody else are you and I granted such a glorious access. John 10 verse 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. John 14, verse 6, I am the way. There is one door, one way, one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our lives, we are not granted access to wherever we would like to go. I'm sure there's many places we would want to visit. I'm sure there's many stately homes that we would love to get into and have access to, but we're not. And maybe we would like to sit with the Queen. And maybe some of us would be lucky enough just to meet her. But would she let you come back with her into her home, into her own private part, into her personal space? It's not likely that she would do such a thing. 
It's not likely that she would let you in to share of her privileges that she has been the queen. But the heavenly king has granted you welcome to share in the privileges of his home. And he tells us, if we read in verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are not just granted access. We are welcomed. You are welcomed. Not just as a stranger is welcomed, but as a member of that household. Just like the chosen Jew was, so are we welcomed into his promises, received warmly and gladly. Not just as a stranger, but as if you have always been a family member of that household. We are adopted into God's household as a son or a daughter. And it is a wonderful thought that he will provide a home as he does for us. But what of this household? Well, it says it's been compared to a structure. So let us take our second point, the structure. Now, if you look at verse 20 through to 21, we'll read it there. Built, we'll just take it back a bit, saints and members of the household of God, which is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Every building has its parts and joined together some way or other. Be it the blocks of the stone, be it the blocks of the stones, the, the rafters or the beams, be it nails that we spoke of that join or screws or glue or whatever is used. Every part comes together to make the final plan a reality. And it is very important to remember every part, as we said in the kids' talk, and value every part. But there are, without a doubt, elements of that building that are crucially important, such to its structure and the structure stability like its foundations. Jesus, again, as he was central in our access, he is the crucial element in the structure. He is the cornerstone, it says, in whom all is built upon. The cornerstone that would have been laid first, I gather, and it would have been a reference point for the rest of the building to be built out from. He is the cornerstone of the building, the starting point, the foundation, the reference point to which the whole building, as it has been built, must cohere with. 
Every good building has a plan. This building would have had a plan. And the temple of the Old Testament had intricate plans given by God to Moses. And these plans are all set out for a hopeful day of completion. The Father has a plan of salvation. Christ is the foundation and in perfect timing as the Spirit works a building in our lives his kingdom will come in completion. And we who have trusted in the only way the only door the only access will be included as part of this structure being joined together to this holy temple which today he is still building. And if the believer were a part of this structure, they need to be joined together somehow. And it is particularly relevant if we think of the walls of a building. You cannot usually just stack your blocks on top of one another. There's no strength to that. There needs to be some sort of bonding agent between them to give them the strength, normally a cement. And as Christ is the foundation strength in this building and in this structure, he also is the bonding agent. He is what joins us one another with strength, in whom the whole structure being joined together. And it's a wonderful thought that those who believe in Christ Jesus have a connection with one another. Wherever you are in the world, you have this common connection through Christ Jesus with one another. And I'm sure many of you who have done mission work or have travelled abroad or overseas, which is not even overseas, within our own nation here, and you have met these strangers, but you have, you have this bond with them through Christ Jesus. And it's, it's kind of strange. But you can understand what I say if you've experienced it. You build friendships and bonds with these people. And I hope that that is something that you can relate to if you have travelled abroad. There is a fellowship through Christ Jesus with these people who were strangers to you. Because you are one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. It fits so well with our thoughts this morning. There's the axis and the promise but we are one in Christ Jesus.
this one structure, as it reads of in 21, which is a holy temple. As a Christian, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's something we struggle to understand. But if we think of the temple or the tabernacle of the Old Testament, this was where God would speak to Moses. It was where the glory of God dwelt on earth. Where God would dwell with his people and that follows through into the temple that Solomon built. But what did Christ say about the temple? He was the temple that would be torn down and rebuilt in three days. Not of hands, but of the spirit. And he is the temple where the Father's glory resided in him. Jesus, who dwelt among the people, as the living temple, where God would reveal through him his glory and speak to the people. And that dwelling place of God before sinful men. And because of Christ's work, we receive what the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, same in substance, equal in power and glory, who dwells in us. And we struggle to grasp that, that we are God's temple, a temple not made with hands, but of the Spirit. And does that inheritance not leave us in awe? of what we have been granted access to. And maybe I cannot really explain it that clearly. But the believer, I hope, can say that there's something in me that's, that's not of me. There's a, I have a love for God that I know it's not of me. It's, it's something that's been put into me, almost. And maybe it's only become so clear as when when the battle begins. And the battle begins between the new nature, the new spirit that has come to dwell in us and the old sinful nature that resides in us. And we war between these different spirits within us. And it's a battle and it's a fight. And maybe that's only when it seems so clear that he dwells in us. When it's difficult and we find difficulties in our Christian life and temptations tempting us away to other things. So we have access through Christ Jesus. And he is making us part of this one structure in Christ Jesus. Founded upon Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. But what of its purpose? So let us look at purpose. Verse 22. In him you also, 
are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, the King James Version changes the beginning of verse 22 to match the beginning of verse 21. So Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So not only is the foundations in Christ as part of the temple, there's also this what? Dwelling place being built together into a dwelling place for God. That's amazing. That his purpose for this building is so that he will dwell in us. And we touched on this briefly in our last point of the dwelling place within the temple and the temple that is within us. But this dwelling place, it's not just a structure. It's a home. You've heard the phrase, it's not just a house, it's a home. That's where you feel at home. And there's a vast difference between the two, as you know. It is not, it is, for the King James again puts it in this last verse, the dwelling place is the habitation of God. It is, the dwelling place is a home in Greek, in the original language. God takes up residence within the believer. But it is a work that has been built upon continually by the Holy Spirit unto perfection. And I don't know about you, maybe if you think back before you were converted, or even if you are not converted, you can maybe think of people that you can say, you know, there's something about that person. There's something special about that person. He's a Christian, but there's, there's something different about him. And maybe this explains it. I remember thinking myself back and you think, you know, there's, there's something about that person. There's a care or a love or a concern shown towards you. And this kind of explains it because God dwells within them. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 14, which is a great chapter, I encourage you to read it again and again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. A home of love, founded upon the one who loved us before we loved him. The one who always wanted to give us access. He opens the door to the one who shall knock. Not only a home in this earthly body does he take up, 
but he promises a heavenly home in a heavenly body where the believer shall be most welcome. And you can almost hear the words of this homely reunion. My good and faithful servant, whom I love, I am so glad to see you coming. Look at what I have been preparing for you. Come and see your family that is here. They have been longing to meet with you. This is your home. As it is the Father. And we shall dwell there together. And the true beauty of the home is found really with the comforts that are in the place and the residents that dwell there. And that the love that is shown to one another in the home. And in a sense, without giving you too much, overloading you with different thoughts. In a sense, this heavenly home takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where God shall dwell with man once again. We will be in the midst of God's presence, a place where God will speak to man. That's what the temple would symbolize throughout time. And the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God on earth, where he speaks to man and reveals himself to man in this temple, just as a symbol of Eden, where he would be. The tabernacle to the children of Israel, was located in the centre within the twelve tribes. It was the central point. And that image comes together in Christ, who is our centre. A centre of this new nation. He is our access to God. Through him, the curtain was torn when he died at Calvary. Access was granted. He is our center. His wall is torn down in his death. He is the believer's foundation, the believer's strength, And in him the believer finds a purpose placed within his plans as he welcomes us into his household and reborn into a nation of promise. Do you have that hope in Jesus Christ today? The few verses that we considered here at the end of Ephesians chapter 2 ties scripture beautifully together. 
We can think back to Eden and it takes us all the way forward to eternal glory. But Christ holds everything together within its center. Does he dwell in you? Are you part of the temple that he is upbuilding as one in Christ Jesus? Does he dwell in you? The door is placed before you today. Will you come and knock? Will you come and seek the one who loves you? And would love to have you dwell with him. What great an inheritance awaits the one who comes. An inheritance provided in Christ Jesus. We pray that it would be true of each of us that is gathered here. That we can say through Christ Jesus in whom I dwell and he who dwells within me. May these thoughts be blessed to us. I'll say a short prayer. Our Father in heaven, how wondrous it is, the plan of salvation that you have set before us, and how you grant us access. You have torn the curtain. Your works have paved the way for You came to the cross and died at Calvary so that we might live. And you took our punishment so that we would not have to. And through that punishment and justification of sin, we are granted access. Pray that each of us knocks that door. A door maybe that has been put in a wall that we have built ourselves in our own desires and our own stubbornness of life. Maybe we have rejected Christ this far. Pray that each of us would embrace him and he shall embrace you too in love. May these be blessed to us all through the name of that Saviour who is our centre, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May we conclude... And by singing to God's praise in the Sing Psalms version of 118. Sing Psalms 118. Page number. Page 156. And we'll sing from verse 15 to 22. Triumphant shouts of joy resound in places where the righteous dwell. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. His mighty hand does all things well. I shall not die, but I shall live. The Lord's great works I will proclaim. The Lord severely chastened me, but rescued me from death's domain. Throw wide the gates of righteousness. I'll enter and give thanks to God. This is the gate of God through which the righteous come before the Lord. You answered me. I will give thanks 
Salvation comes from you alone. The stone the builders had refused has now become the corner stone. We'll sing these verses to God's praise. Triumphant shouts of joy resound. Close of prayer. Lord, may you watch over us in our parting. Be with us in our time together. Remain with us in our meditations of you. And ask that you would forgive us our sins, we pray. Lord, remain with us, we ask you. Go with your servants and be that dwelling place of which we would love to be a part of. Forgive us our sins. In all these things we ask in his name, our now Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.